integrity of God's word. It's infallible, it's infallible. unfailing, unfailing. Faultless. faultless, impeccable, impeccable. Perfect. perfect, precise, precise. And, accurate. and accurate in its declaration, its declaration. final, final. In, its in its authority, comprehensive, comprehensive. and all-sufficient in its provisions. Let's declare together, I love God's word. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to share something I've entitled, Turning Lemons into Lemony. Amen? Amen. The subtitle is, God has the final say. How many of you believe that God has the final say? I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of people pass judgment. I've heard a lot of people say something, uh, but I have come to realize that when man speaks, even the most authoritative man or woman or person, when they speak, right, in God's eyes is written in pencil, so it can easily be erased. Only God writes in a permanent marker. Somebody amen. say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God oh, has the final say. Oh, say it like you mean it. God, God has the final say. The final say. Amen. Sometimes it's very interesting when you hear how we make plans. Somebody can say, oh, in the next three years, I am going to. Or even tomorrow. I am surely going to, as if we control tomorrow. Whereas our next breath is not even guaranteed. I am hoping that by the end of this sermon, we will walk in the appreciation of yesterday, move in the hope of tomorrow, knowing that the one who holds the future is God. Somebody say amen. 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 All right. So God has the final say, turning your lemons or turning lemons into lemonade. Amen? Amen. It is said that when you buy something like an electronic equipment or gadget and it doesn't work like the manufacturer said it would work, you have bought a lemon. Right? In other words, it's, it, if, if you buy, for example, a camera, you're supposed to take pictures and the camera is not working. It's not working the way it ought to work without you doing anything to it. You have purchased a lemon. And sometimes in life, we are handed some lemons. Amen? Anybody? had a lemon before. Yeah. yeah. Can I share my lemon with you? You know where I'm going. This is my lemon. This is one of my lemons. Yes. I was born with a lot, but somehow, some way, it became a, a lemon. But I believe I'm wearing my lemonade very well. Amen. All right. So we all have some lemons. Amen. All right. At the end of this sermon, this is what I want us to take away. Let's all read it together. One go. You must refuse to believe the lie that this loving and awesome God will put your livelihood and essence in the hands of people who can so easily dispose of you without missing a heartbeat. There are too many people, or there are too many of us walking around with the essence of our life hinged on somebody's words or somebody's choices. Today we are going to look at a biblical example of how somebody who was powerful, who was awesome, was even instructed by God to pass judgment over a certain person. And if you and I were in that situation, I'm sure we would have lifted up our hands and called it final. This is it. It is finished. Because when the powers that be seem to be against you, when the people who are ought to be willing and able are not willing, then where do you go? Say to yourself, my lemons, my lemons will become lemonade. Let's read 
Genesis chapter 21. It's a very popular story in the Bible. And I pray that God will bring some relevance to it, to your peculiar or particular situation. Genesis 21, 8 to 18. Let's pay attention as he reads the word of God. The book of Genesis, chapter 21, verse 8 to 18. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham's scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the, for, the, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. Mm -hmm. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water, and putting it on, the, on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, Let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard you. For God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise. Lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We all know the background of the story. Abraham is the one whom most Christians and Jewish people trace their blessings through. Abraham was the one who the Bible described as the friend of God. Abraham was the one who was walking around uh, telling people that I'm the father of many nations and had no child. And when all hope was lost, when the medical doctors had written off their case, when the insurance companies decided that as for Abraham, even IVF, you are not qualified. God steps in and gives Abraham a child. But before that happened, there was a, a situation where Sarah had advised Abraham and said, Abraham, uh, since this thing that you said God said is taking long, let us try to help God and you know work things out. And then Ishmael came. So now, in the midst of Ishmael, uh, Sarah comes out and says, that, Look, I don't like the way Ishmael is walking around the house feeling good. So Ishmael must go away. Abraham, knowing that Ishmael was his first son, had a very difficult time having to send Ishmael away. But the end of the story means that Ishmael had to go away and Ishmael left. I want us to look at the life of Hagar. Now, if you and I can put ourselves in a position of Hagar, the whole world is against us. Everything, the, the odds are stacked against us. Abraham is the most powerful man on the earth, and he says you should go. Not only that, God himself has confirmed that Abraham, whatever Sarah is saying, do it. 
So it might even seem like heaven is against you. The Bible says that early in the morning, they are given uh, a water bottle and they are asked to leave. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes life will hand you lemons. And when you are giving the lemons, it seems like there is no hope for tomorrow. But I came to announce to somebody, God can open your eyes and you'll find sugar. And if you add the sugar to the lemon and you get some water, you get some lemonade. Somebody say amen. amen. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that sometimes life will give you two negative signs. But if you can rearrange and recompose the negative signs, you can get a positive sign. Somebody say amen. amen. And even though Abraham might be powerful, and even though Abraham might say he has heard from God, and even though Abraham is reputable, he doesn't have the final say. Sometimes I worry about how Christianity is going these days. You can find somebody putting their faith in what somebody is supposedly going to hear from God to come and tell me. So that your faith is in the medium of hearing from God and not God himself. But look at Hagar. Hagar's only hope was Abraham. Hagar was minding her business. She did not ask for this. Hagar did not solicit to have a child. Hagar was a slave. Let's not even mince words about it. Hagar was a slave. These days, when we use the word slave, what comes into mind is human, uh, human rights. In those days, there were no human rights. When you were a slave, you were a slave. So Hagar was a, 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 a servant in the house, minding her own business, probably to fetch water here and there. And now you are summoned by your, by your madam. And your madam asked you, go into that room. What is going to happen in that room is not your business. You are just supposed to just submit. And in life, sometimes we have to submit to things that we don't like. In life, sometimes we are given hands that, that we did not solicit, we did not ask for. Hagar found herself in a situation like that. Amen? Amen. And sometimes uh, life is so rough. Until you can bring it under control. Anybody been through rough, a rough life? Amen. Amen. They say some, some people were born with a, a silver spoon in their mouth. Amen. But even a silver spoon, when the food goes into your mouth, there must be some chewing, right? Yes. And even in a chewing, sometimes you can get choked. Amen. Yes. So we all have some rough, rough patches in our life. Anybody, come on, let's not pretend. This is church. Amen. Yeah. 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 Some of us, if you could use a, a microscope to look in our pillows. We see water marks, not the kind in the dollar bill, but you know, tear marks, tear marks in our pillows because we cry before we sleep. Anybody? Hey, look, hello? Right? So sometimes life is rough. Sometimes life is rough. Let's look at Hagar's lemons. Let's look at Hagar's lemons. She was put in a situation she did not ask for. She did nothing to deserve it. She had punched in to come to work. She was working. And then the supervisor came and said, hey, you, you are wanted in the lunch room. You know, knowing that she had a good background, she hadn't done anything wrong, she walked confidently, went there, they said, you are summoned to go upstairs. And sometimes upstairs can mean promotion, hello, right? Upstairs can mean, you, you know you haven't done anything wrong. And they are asking for you, you know, we are not doing layoffs, you know, maybe you work in the kind of field where they don't lay off by heart, right? So you are confident walking upstairs, and you go, and you say, ah, there's nobody here. And then here comes Abraham. Say, here you go. It's just me and you. What? What is going on here? But without rights, you submit. And she submits. And now a child has come. 
Now because of the child that was forced on her, she's lost her job. She has to leave the people she knows. She's been banished from town. Somebody say, what a lemma. What a lemma. <laughs> she was banished without notice. You know, sometimes when you have to relocate, you have to, you have to plan. You know, anybody relocated in the, in the last 10 years? Anybody relocated? Was it easy? It's not easy. Some of us have boxes we still have not opened. Amen. <laughs> she wasn't even given time to call you home. And if it was a Friday after Thanksgiving, she, she couldn't even catch a flight. She was not given any notice. One day she was just someone out. No negotiation. No exit interview. Nothing. And the kind of banishing she was, she was giving, she couldn't even get a reference. You know, sometimes when you go to the next time, you can say, oh, I used to work for uh, Father Abraham. No. This one you can't. Just get out. Just go. She was deserted by those she helped. Anybody being given the treatment by people you help, sometimes you help, you go out of your way to help people. Amen. And then when it's time for people to help you, it's like your phone is off, out of coverage area. These days, your voice messages that you can customize to sound like the phone number you have dialed is out of Oh, yeah. It's working very, you know, but because they don't want certain people to call, she was deserted. I mean, can you imagine what you think? I've been serving Sarah all my life. And then you push your husband on me, and now the plan that you had, that has worked. I'm paying for it. She was betrayed for being loyal. You know, if you are flimsy, if you are not a dependable person, and you are let go, it's okay. But if you are killing yourself for the establishment, and they treat you like corporate America. Hello? Mm. You know, corporate America, you are a number. You are not a person, you are a number. So when we have to go, you know, whoever falls on your house. Amen? Amen? She was betrayed for being loyal. Sometimes we are betrayed for being loyal. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen? But I've come to announce to somebody the Bible says, vain is the arm of flesh. Tell your neighbor, Please be loyal, but if you miss it, I understand. Tell your neighbor. Yeah. It's not permission to miss it. What you are actually saying is that only God, only God, God is the ultimate when it comes to faithfulness, not man. Not man. Because think about it. Abraham didn't want to send them away. But Madame has said, and God has confirmed. So sometimes God can confirm things it will sound like a lemon. Amen? Oh yeah, sometimes God will tell you something and it will sound like a lemon. Number five, her troubles affected the son she was forced to have. She didn't go and ask for a son. In those days, if you were a slave, you couldn't even marry. She probably had resigned to the fact that she was just going to serve until her kingdom come. And then this happens. And because of that son, Look at the treatment she got. So she had to adopt a me against the world attitude. She was put in a situation. She did not ask what she did. Nothing to deserve this. She had no say in how she became a mother. Can you imagine? No say. No say. She was used for another person's agenda. Can you? You know, to be used is not it, you. Hello? 
when you when, when you are used or abused, it's not easy. When 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 somebody uses your skill, your time, your and in this case, her body for something, and then treats you like trash, is gut wrenching. But that's what she she had to endure. That's what she had to endure. She was disposed of harshly when the plan did not work. I'm sure when the baby came and the baby was being weaned, I'm sure she was the she was a tough servant. I mean, she was a tough servant. You have provided Abraham with the quote unquote promise. Hey, I'm sure she was sleeping in a, a better a woman's ch chamber than everybody else. But now the boy has grown. And the boy has taken on his own attitude. And he's laughing at uh, Isaac. So now, not only is the boy leaving, the mother is also leaving. Now let's look at Hagar's reaction. Let's look at Hagar's reaction. She did not plead to stay where she was not wanted. As far as the script says, we didn't see Hagar beg and say, Abraham, please remember. Remember how I submitted. She didn't plead. You know, sometimes God relocates your blessing, but sentimentally, you are hitched to an address. Sentimentally, you are glued to a state. Sentimentally, you are glued to a workplace. Why? Because even, even, even the bugs in the workplace know who you are. So you don't want to change. But look at Hagar. She did not ask. She just said, hey, don't have problems. I'm not asking you to relocate. I beg. Please. Right? She thought the worst, but would, would not do what was necessary to make the worst happen. What, what did she think? She thought that the boy was going to die. The Bible says she put the boy down. And she didn't want to see the boy die. So she walked away about a bow throw away and sat down and watched. Can I suggest something to you? No matter how dire the situation is, don't be the one to put the full stop where God intended a command to be. No, sometimes, sometimes God wants you to stand at the edge of the rock. But don't look down and say, oh, this falling is going to be painful, so let me just fall. Go. Wait for the wind, please. You wait for the wind. Don't, don't be the one to push the button. She said, there's no help. There's nobody here. The water is finished. I'm in a desert place. But if the boy is going to die, I don't want him to die in my hand. So I'm going to put him down and go away. And sometimes the boy represents your blessing and your burden. Sometimes the only way we get God to, to we get God's attention is if we put our blessing and our burden down. Because literally, if your hands are tired, can you even worship God now? If your hands are if your hands are holding what you call a blessing, or some of us we are carrying whatever used to be a blessing but has now become a burden, we don't want to put it down. I always say people say, Oh, my hypertension. My hypertension. You are claiming it. You are signing it. I'm not saying don't take medication. You know me. I'm a very practical person. Pray over the medication and take it. And let God heal you totally before you go and do any of those things. Right? But while you are taking the medication and believing that God will heal you, don't go and stand somewhere and say, as for this, my hypertension. The blessing you are claiming from God, when they say, I need you. Claim you say, I receive it, right? So the same way you receive something, why are you receiving what is not good? Don't call it my habitation or my whatever it is you call it. Hagar's attitude was that, I'm not going to have this child die in my hands. 
I'm going to put it down. I'm going to step back. Sometimes you need to step back from that blessing. The psalmist says, count your blessings and name them one by one. You know what we do these days? We name them wholesale. Because you go to Costco, you can buy bounty. You, 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 you talk about your life like it is bounty. Somebody can say, oh, this whole year. Remember how many seconds go in a year? Remember how many hours are in a year? And every one of them, every one of them, you were a candidate for a mug. You were a candidate for a coffee maker. Every one of them. So sometimes you need to step away from that thing you call a blessing. And it was, the psalmist says, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Anybody been surprised this year? Oh, I, I, I know you are waiting for Christmas, but I came to announce you before Thanksgiving, you ought to be thankful. Amen. 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 Because there are Thanksgiving services being held for some people who are in the tombstone right now. Don't let the turkey determine your Thanksgiving. Somebody amen. say amen. Amen. All right. She cried unto God. Somebody say she cried unto God. Oh, say she cried unto God. You can take away everything, but you cannot take away my communication link with God. The only time a person cannot communicate with God is if there's no life in them. It's like the life of a cell phone. You can give me a free cell phone. Don't connect it. But I can always call 911 if it is charged. Every cell phone can call 911. So you can take away the connectivity. You can take away whatever you want. But give me just one bar. Just charge it for me. One bar. And I can still call God. I can still call 911. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the year has meant to you. I don't know what the season has represented to you, but so long as you have the ability to cry unto God, God has the final say. I know Abraham is powerful. I know Abraham represents the powers that be. I know when Abraham speaks, even the political people just told the line and follow. You know, when you are rich, you have power. Hello? When you are rich, you have power. If you think I'm lying, look at the White House. I won't go, I won't go further. It's okay. I won't, I won't go further. Let's read it. God is unlimited in power, but he confines himself to his jurisdictions. He wants you to do what is in your power so that God knows that the child is dying, but he's waiting to see whether you will push the child or whether you call out unto his name. So could it be that the all-powerful, all-omniscient, uh, omnipresent God has the ability to do something, but is waiting for you to provoke him? They have the saying that heaven helps those who help themselves. Even though it is not scriptural, literally, it is a truth. It is a truth. If you look at everyone in the Bible that God blessed, they were doing something. God never blessed anybody on holiday. Hello? I don't care how much anointing is poured on you. Right? You have to get up and go and do something. You have to get up and go and do something. God hates laziness. You know that? God abhors laziness. We come from Ghana, where we pray more than 99% of the world, right? Mm -hmm. I just wish that the prayer would translate into work ethic, right? Because it would have changed a lot of things. It would have changed a lot of things. If you consider where Christianity went, from Asia Minor, when Christianity went there, it, it developed the place. Then Christianity went to Europe, it developed the place. Christianity came to America, it developed the place. Christianity went to our place. 
we are still drumming and dancing. I will leave that one to for another day. Amen. Amen. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says. It says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. So even when God is blessing, you still have to make a choice. You still have to make a choice. So Sarah had a choice to make. Anybody had tears flowing in dry places? Notice the irony of this thing. The water in the water bottle was finished, but tears were flowing. When tears flow in a dry place, that is when everything seems not to be going well. And the only emotion that you can experience is one of sadness. What do you do? Some people call Dr. Faith. Some people look for Bukra. What do you do? It's in a desert place. There's no rain. But anytime you blink your eyes, there are tears. Hagar found herself in a desert place. In a desert place, nothing works. You can't call anybody. There's no neighbor. There's no neighbor. It's just you, your predicament, your situation, and your goal. Now, notice that if you are a slave, you are not taught to think for yourself. When your master prays, you hope that the prayer covers you. When your master eats, that's when you benefit. So, uh, Hagar is in a place where she has no skill, she has nothing. Only her God. She has not been taught to fend for herself. As a, as a, as a slave, you, are, you sleep when you are told to sleep. She has no idea what to do. It's just Hagar, the young man, and the dry place. And what did she do? There are times when you need to lay both your blessings and your burdens down, even if for a little bit. We realize that she laid them down. And what that symbolically represents is that you surrender. You surrender. Anybody here who needs to surrender this morning? Because sometimes the thing that you are carrying, I know it is a blessing. But sometimes when blessings are carried longer than they ought to be carried, they become a burden. I heard of a joke of somebody who had such an important luggage in their, in, in their profile that when they were traveling, they insisted on carrying their thing. So the flight attendant said, you have to put it up there. The woman said, no, I got to carry it. Now, is that thing in there expensive? Probably. Is it a blessing? Yes. But it has become a burden. Why? Because she has not realized when she can let it go and when she can come back for it. And sometimes the blessing might not even be big. But it's like going through airport security. This wallet could contain money. It's very little, right? But if I refuse to let it go into that bucket to be scanned, I can have the ticket to get onto the plane, but I will never be qualified to walk through that door to go to my plane. Why? Because I don't want to let this thing go. But the beauty of the thing is that when I let it go, I just go and pick it up at the end. So sometimes you must learn when to lay it down. Tell your neighbor, lay it down. 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 So the Bible says that she begins to cry. Notice that the Bible didn't say that her voice was heard. What the Bible said is that the angel said, God has heard the cry of the little boy. But the cry of the little boy was propagated by the cry of the mother. 
Sometimes we keep silent, you know, you call people and they tell you, oh, well, I've been to, been to church. They say, oh, pastor, I'm going through a lot. And I ask them, so because you're going through a lot, you don't come to church. Because I know when things get better, you'll be going on vacations and stuff. So when will you really come to church? When things are neutral? <laughs> when things are not going well, that is when you should cry unto your God. So Hagar is crying unto God, and you know how it is when, when, when you begin to make a loud noise. Children also begin to cry because they cannot interpret the sound that is coming. So the child also begins to cry. And as the child begins to cry, the angel comes out and tells Hagar, Hagar, fear not, because the cry of the child has in her in heaven. See, when we put our burdens down, it's not a time to be lazy. One of the things that I, I don't like these days where we Christians, when Christians don't want to do anything, they say we are waiting on God. Yeah. So you ask somebody, so for example, what are, what are, what are, what are you doing? You, you come out of school, so what are you going to do? So I'm waiting on God. Waiting on God to do what? So I want God to give me direction. You have four choices, north, south, east, west. You can even combine south, east, northwest, and you are still waiting on God. There are some things God will never do for you. Hello? In his, it's not about his ability. It's about the fact that he's confined by his word. He sticks to his jurisdiction. So if God has empowered you to, if not for anything, pray, and you don't pray. And notice, when the angel said pray, uh, when the angel said that fear not, the next commandment was that lift up the child and lift him up. That symbolically represents that even when God is ready to bless me, I must be willing to do something. Amen. 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 We must become a generation of people who believe God not only in theory, but we show it in practice. So you let the child go. Now God has come and bless the child. Now you got to walk back and pick up that child. Notice all this time the water has not come. They haven't drunk any water. Sometimes we must prove with our actions that we are ready to receive that which we are so eloquently praying for. Otherwise, it becomes lip service. It's like the young man who wants to marry, but is antisocial. So when you see a group of people, you, you tell them, because you are leaving God to send you the person in the mailbox. He did that for Adam, and Adam was ungrateful, so he stopped doing that. Hello? All right? Hello? So she lifted up her voice and wept. This morning, I want to ask you, what are you lifting up before God? Are you lifting up memory, complaining? Because you could have complained, said, God, look at how, what has happened to me. Sometimes our prayers are filled with blame. You're blaming everybody but yourself. Even in prayer. Hagar didn't do that. Hagar lifted up what was her burden. She lifted up what represented her blessing and cried unto God. And listen, the blessing cried. Now, the interesting thing about the fact that the child cried is that the child was supposed to be dead or die. Hello? The child who was supposed to be dying because of the lady's cry, now the child is also crying. Oh, I came to announce to you that sometimes all it takes is for you to start praying. Amen. And after that, the instruction came, lift up the child, lift up the child unto heaven. The Bible says when she did that, 
the Lord opened her eyes. And when her eyes were opened, all of a sudden, she found water right in the vicinity. I don't want to get into theology as to whether the water was there or God created it. All I know is that a cry begot a cry and water came out. Oh, I came to announce to somebody this morning, water will come out. Amen. There is water right where you are. Amen. There is water right where you are. But there has to be some form of a movement. First of all, there must be the movement of your lips which signifies prayer. Secondly, you must be ready to walk and go and do something, which means you should not be praying for something that you are not ready to work hard for. Hello? Right. You should not be praying to receive anything that you are not ready to work hard for. I'm not saying it's your hard work that begets what you are praying for, but you are not qualified to get that thing if you are not ready to put in the time. Secondly, when, she, when, when he got there, she got there, sorry, she had to lift up that child. The same thing that you were afraid of that you walked away from. The same thing that you, you, were, you could have had a chance to proclaim or pronounce death over. Now you have to lift it up. Now you have to lift it up. And the Bible says when it was lifted up, then her eyes were opened. I pray this morning that somebody will have a change of mind. That somebody will have a mindset shift. To realize that yes it is a desert yes man has banished you yes man has forsaken you yes man has betrayed you but god has the final say and if god has the final say my action should show that man has said it but even the most powerful man writes in pencil the bible talks about a rich man who had gathered all his wealth and one day he was sitting down probably had a glass of wine sat looked at his balcony and said ha 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 I'm going to relax, make merry, and enjoy my wealth. You know what the Bible called him? Foolish man. Did he commit a crime? No. Did he steal anybody's money? No. But he, 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 he committed high treason by attempting to plan as if he controlled every factor. He forgot the God factor. The God factor tells me that no matter what man has pronounced, I am still waiting to hear what the Lord has to say. He has the final say. Listen, you can knock me out in the first round. You can knock me out in the second round. So long as I'm still standing, there's one chance that one punch can change the game. All it takes is one. You can knock me down ten times from round one to round ten. But if I'm still standing and I can still reach out to God, the only time there's no hope is when our connection with God is cut off. So long as you have life, so long as you are willing to work hard, so long as you are willing to put your trust not in Abraham, not in Sarah, not in Abraham's world, not even in the God of Abraham, but your own God. Remember in those days, if you are not Jewish, you cannot call on God. I had a, 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 a debate with a Jewish person. I asked him the same thing. I said, so which God was Hagar calling unto? Because you know sometimes they are little, you know, they undermine those of us who are not in the Jewish clan a little, right? Well, not a little, a lot, but. So I said, so which God? Was it the God of Hagar? Did Hagar have a different God from the God of Abraham? No. But listen, unknown to Hagar, God had promised Abraham that the child was going to be a nation. So sometimes you don't know what you are carrying until God opens your eyes. Sometimes you don't know what you are carrying 
until you bring it and lift it up before God. Hagar was not privy to that conversation. God had already said it. Listen, there are many of us we are circumventing what God has said. In the name of religion, we are circumventing what God has said and what God has already done. We are in the desert. No water. We are crying. And God says there's water here. I have a question. Can I get God's attention when I'm no longer the focus of blessed men? A lot of us, we like to associate ourselves with people who are blessed. And as much as that is good, if I'm not going to get to the one who blessed the person who is blessed, then my association with them is futile. I always say that there are some people, every time you need a ride, they'll give you a ride. But the day you ask them to give you a ride to the dealership to buy a car, they'll tell you they're busy. Because your circumstance is beneficial to them. Your being at that lower level makes them feel good because at least, you know, your, your, literally speaking, your hand is in their mouth, as we say, where I come from, right? Because you are, you, are, you, are, you are dependent on me. So sometimes God wants you to be in the desert where Abraham's help is not available. Because when Abraham's help is not available, you have no choice but to join the psalmist and say, I will lift up my eyes onto the hills from whence cometh my help. Do you think that if there were an army in that valley, the psalmist would have said that, I will lift up my hands onto the hills? No. The army is there, you ask the army to help you. But where there is no help, God wants you to look up. Somebody say, look up. Look up. Oh, say, look up, look up, look up, look up, look up. Let no one get in the, in the way of your pursuit of God. We are looking unto God. The Bible says he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Abraham altered a plan. He couldn't finish the plan. Your God has altered a plan, but he's able to finish it. Somebody say amen. Amen. In closing, look at God's reaction. Number one, there was angelic assistance. Number two, there was divine vision. And at the end, uh, there was an end, sorry, to dry places. And the four things that there was an end to premature death. The Bible says the power of life and death lies in the tongue. Your tongue is a steering wheel of your life. You can be a fully blessed person. But if you keep on repeating that it shall not end well with me, I don't care how hard you try. So from this, number one, what I want you to do is, number one, change your language. Number two, realign your mindset to understand that God has the final say. It's, it sounds so simple, but so many times we bring a finality to a situation where God has all, only paused. It's like watching the Super Bowl halftime and you say, ah, it's finished, my team is down, you go and sleep. You wake up in the morning, you might have a shock of your life. New England Patriots, can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> New York Giants, God bless you. <laughs> Alright? Amen? So, God will send angelic help. Somebody say, God will send angelic help. God will send angelic help. Number two, God will give me divine vision. Divine vision is nothing mysterious. It means that you will see beyond the current circumstance. You will see beyond the current circumstance. You will see beyond the current circumstance. When a farmer puts a seed in the ground, it's not expecting a seed, it's expecting a harvest. But it's the vision of the harvest that makes him diligent in putting that seed in the ground, tilling the ground, making sure that that seed has a good environment to grow. In the same way, your life is a seed. Everything you have control or power of 
is a seed. It's a seed. May God give you divine vision so that you will not despise humble beginnings. That child that looked like was going to die, that was a nation. The nation did not start with an independent declaration. It started with a child who was about to die. Somebody say, I won't throw my child away. I'm not talking literal, but you understand. Amen. The third is an, an end to dry places. An end to dry places. In the same dry place, there was water available, but there was no site. Amen? I've shared this example with you so many times. When a real estate agent passes by and sees a piece of land, you might see a place where trash can be thrown. You might see a place where people can play baseball. But the real estate agent sees money. Is there money there? No. What makes them see money? Vision. Your vision will end dry places. We all have dry places in our land. We all have dry places in our life. I pray that after today, the Lord will open your eyes and every dry place in your life will become productive, will become fruitful in the name of Jesus. And then an end to premature death, an end to premature death. That simply means the death of dreams and visions. The death of dreams and visions. You can have a dream and then time will pass and then circumstance will change and then you begin to change your story. No, I forbid you to change your story. I forbid you to declare what the Lord has said. The Bible says, whose report shall you believe? Will you believe the report of the experts? Will you believe the report of the government? Or will you believe what the Lord has inspired in your heart? Usually the Lord inspires things in our heart that do not make sense to the common man. I don't know what you think but when President Obama told Michelle Obama that I'm going to start running for elections, according to him, she laughed. She didn't laugh because he was doing comedy. She laughed because from, from the room in which that thing was said, and the state of America in those days, it was laughable. Similarly, when Sarah overheard the angel speaking to Abraham and said, you shall have a child, what did she do? She laughed. So it's okay for certain people to laugh. But I came to announce to you, the only person that must believe in the dream for it to come to pass is you. Some of us are looking for partners in the dream when we haven't believed the dream ourselves. If you are looking for 50% faith from somebody, you have already missed it. You must believe in what God has put in you. You must believe that. And if you take that action, you will see that the angel will show up. Angels don't show up when we are deciding. Angels show up when we are resolute. Help from God comes when we have decided we make her. You are here. Oh, yes, Lord. Moving in love. Yes, Lord. 
bring before you every broken heart, every weary heart, every weary hand, oh God. Oh 